Yes. Thank God for the ministry of our youth choir this morning. Amen. Bless the Lord for our youth today. Amen. Bless the Lord for our youth. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is no reflection on what just took place, just a general. If singing could get black folk into heaven, all of us would go. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> we can sing now, and we'll put some twists on some things. But there are principles that we must work. Amen? There are principles that God has put in place that we must work. I want to talk about the stewardship principle again today. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, uh, the first part of this was read as a part of the scripture this morning, uh, verses 1 through 12. So I'm going to pick up at verse number 13 and read a few of these verses. Verse 13 says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. What does the King James say? The King James says it like, the day nor the hour. And when the Son of Man cometh, you don't know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. And then he immediately goes into saying, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. I, I, let me read this from the King James. Uh, NIV helps us out a whole lot, but uh, I just need to read this from the King James because it, it makes it a little bit uh, more pointed. Let me just get there for a second. And... Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, that's still NIV. Come, Elder Hoskins, and read verses 9 through 13. Nine, 13 through 19. Watch therefore. Yeah. For, ye need, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto the one, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his uh, several ability, and straightway took his journey. 19 through 19. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same. And made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two. He also gained other two. But he that had received one. Went and digged in the earth. And hid his Lord's money. And after a long time. The Lord of those servants. Cometh and reckoning, reckoneth with them. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read it now from the NIV. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To the one he gave five talents of money, another two talents, and another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more, and the man with 
the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Uh, yeah, we're going to deal with the stewardship principle again. This is part two of the message. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you for the power of the word. I thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire, and you will prosper your word in the things that you send it to. Thank you for what you're going to do as this word is ministered to us today. Grant a fresh anointing of your spirit that I might minister under your anointing, Lord. Grant me clarity of thought. Grant me revelation and insight that I'll speak according to your oracles. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So last week, last week, and I want you all to pay particular attention uh, to the message this morning. If you were not here last, uh, last Sunday, please get a copy of the CD. And let's make sure, again, we need to uh, make sure the people that are out sick get copies of the message. Uh, we've been falling down on, on that uh, responsibility. So somebody help me with that. But uh, I want to make sure that you follow this closely today. And I want to make sure that you understand. Uh, we had a wonderful discussion on Wednesday night uh, as we dealt with this uh, because we started talking about how the body um, is the house of the spirit, you know, and how we have to take care of our bodies. Uh, but uh, this is, this is, this is a a great message on stewardship because a lot of times when we start talking about stewardship, we only think in terms of money. We don't think in terms of taking care of this body that houses the soul. And we don't think in terms of the time that God has entrusted in our hands or the other resources that God has entrusted in our hands. So it is important that we understand all of these concepts because this is a part of the principle of stewardship. Uh, <clears throat> We established a few things last Sunday. One was that God has put principles in place that characterize his kingdom and that work for his kingdom. Now, we just finished singing, Lord, you reign. Yeah, yeah. With, with power and majesty, dominion, authority, you reign. He reigns in his kingdom. It is important that we understand that. It is important that we don't just utter words when we come into the sanctuary or when we're talking, when we're talking to other Christians, but we understand that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. It's very important that each one of us grasp that. We're not just church members, all right? When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you became a citizen of the kingdom of God. And when you begin to study the Gospels, you begin to understand some of the things about the kingdom of God, the principles that God has put in place, all right? <clears throat> and if we want the greatest benefit of citizenship, we have to work the principles that God has put in place. And a lot of times, a lot of times, we do not benefit from being Christians because we don't work the principles that God has put in place. We say we're Christians, but we do whatever we want to do, all right, with our time, our money, our resources, uh, our abilities, and then we want God to turn around and bless us, and God just does not do it because he says, I put principles in place, and once you work the principles, then you'll get the benefit, amen? So if you want to bake a good cake, you got to put sugar in that cake, not salt. 
And you got to put some baking soda in. There are principles, there are recipes that you have to go by, and you have to bake it, you have to mix it up, and you have to bake it a certain number of minutes, hours. You got to follow the principles. And that's what we have fallen down on. We felt that we can come to church and we can sing and we can dance and we can shout and appear spiritual and not work the principles, and then things don't work for us. We've got to work the principles. We've got to work the principles. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you've got to work the principles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we are mistaken if we think God is going to change his principles just for us. Because he's not going to change his principles just for us. I was in a, (laughs) we had a wonderful discussion at a ministerial meeting the other day. Because one of the pastors started talking about, uh, what he needed in God. He said, I need a God that I can wrap my mind around. I said, no, 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 no. You don't need a God you can wrap your mind around because God is God and God is not God. He said, don't you think God is evolving? No, God is not evolving. God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. We are the ones who change. We are the ones who do not understand God's principles and will not wrap our minds around God's principles. We do what we want to do the way we want to do it and we expect God to wicked our sins. We expect Expect God to change his principles for us. And who are we? But that's the way people think. That is what's going on in society today. We do not like the God of the Bible. So we say the Bible is wrong and we come up with our own concepts of God. That's what's going on in society. The Bible is wrong. Everybody in church is wrong. These these dogmatic people in church, they are wrong. God loves everybody. God loves everybody, but God hates sin. Amen. We establish these things. We, We establish that faith without works is dead. So if you say you have faith, you gotta do some work. All right, so you say you believe God then there is work that must be done. The work that must be done is the work of stewardship. God has put some things in your hand, in your possession. You've got to work it. All right? Stewardship involves responsibility and faithfulness. We talked about mentioning this last Sunday. Because the steward has been entrusted with the affairs of someone else. What the steward has in his or her possession does not belong to him or her. If, how many of you in here say that you're born again? Let, lift your hands, everybody. All right. How are you born again? <laughs> Through faith in the Lord. That's not a trick question. <laughs> Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have trusted in the finished work of Christ on Calvary. When Jesus shed his blood on the cross, gave his life for our sins, you put your faith in that because God said that's the way you can be saved. So that's how you're saved. As such, you become a citizen of the kingdom of God. You have been. That's how you become a citizen. Every kingdom has laws. Every kingdom has rules and regulations. Every kingdom. Every kingdom. And you break the rules, you suffer the consequences. You abide by the rules, 
you don't have to worry about the consequences. And you, you follow the principles of the kingdom, you will prosper. You will prosper. Amen. You go get a job and you t do what they tell you to do on that job, nine times out of ten, you're going to do well on that job. But now principle of the kingdom of the United States is that you can make investments. You can invest the money that you make. All right? You say, well, I don't make enough money to invest. But we make enough money to eat out. Four or five times a week. We make enough money for our closets to be filled with clothes. We, na we make enough money to have four and five and ten and fifteen pair of shoes. So, so, so listen, what we are doing is that we're eating our profit. The principle of the kingdom is you invest and then your money will make money. All right? You, you, I don't want to get too deep in this as I'm away from my message. All of us have made this mistake. I did. Young person working single, making money, living in an apartment, paying rent. Stayed in an apartment until right before I got married. All of those years paying rent when I could have been saving buying a piece of property, buying a house, didn't have to be in the richest neighborhood in town. Could have been a house that needed some work done on it, but I, I could have made an investment and fixed the house up and built up equity and sold the house after 10 years of living in the house, still been a young man. It's the principle of the kingdom. It's the principle of the kingdom. No, what did I do? I wanted to go out and eat. I wanted to go this place. I wanted to go that place. You know, I wanted to spend money here. I wanted to spend money there. Credit cards. Anyway, every kingdom has principles. If you work the principles, you will benefit from it. Okay? Let me go a little bit, a little bit further with this. Uh, so everything we have in our possession does not belong to us. It belongs to God. Okay? God created the world. The earth is the Lord. Psalm 24, 1 and 2. In the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. We live in the world, so we belong to God. Okay? All right? Nothing you have really belongs to you. Not even the body that houses your soul. Your soul, your spirit man, your spirit woman is what is, what is going to live on. That's the real you. Okay? And most of the time, we allow our bodies to dictate to our spirits. You wonder why you can't overcome stuff? Because you're allowing your flesh to dictate to your spirit when you should be building up your spirit man so that your spirit man will dictate to your flesh. And when your spirit man dictates to your, your flesh, your spirit man will say, no, don't do this. And because your spirit man, our spirit woman, is in control then you will not do it. But when your flesh is in control and your flesh says, eat this, when your flesh says, drink this, because your flesh rules. 
I can't stop doing this. Because your flesh is ruling. Your flesh is in control. So that means then that you're not properly taking care of the body that God has given you because you're allowing something to rule that should not rule. And then sickness comes. And then here you go run to the doctor. And the doctor says, okay, I'm going to give you a chemical to put in your body to make your body work. And so you take the chemical and you put it in your body to make your body work right to get over the disease, then it creates something else. And, and the principle of the kingdom, even though this is Old Testament, if we would go back to the food regulations that God put in the Bible, because, because he wouldn't have put them there if they weren't any good and if they didn't work. And if we ate what God said eat, then it would feed the body and cause the body to be healthy. But because we went to the New Testament and we read that, 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 that God gave Peter a vision and, and in the vision in the sheep was all kind of four-footed animals. He said, arise, Peter, slay and eat. And we took that to mean that God threw away all of the food regulations when God was dealing with Peter getting ready to go to the Gentiles and knowing that Peter being a Jew would call those Gentile people unclean and he would not go to them. So God said to Peter, you cannot call them unclean. What I have cleansed, don't you call unclean. He was not talking about eating all that pork that you're eating that is unclean. And all the other stuff if you work the principles, the principle will work for you. You don't have to believe me. You don't even have to believe the Bible. That's the, you know, that's the wonderful thing about God. He's not standing here with a gun over your head saying, do what I tell you to do. You can do what you want to do. But guess what? You'll suffer the consequences. So we talked about responsibility too. Responsibility is responding to the ability that has been given to you. Responding to the ability that has been given to you. The Bible says that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness according to the mighty power that does what? Works in you. Okay? So he's given us that. He's given us the ability. God's power, every, just about everybody here raised their hand and said, I'm a born-again Christian. Isn't, so so the, new, the, the new life has been created in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the power lives in you. So you have the ability to respond now. You have the ability to respond because it is not now your flesh that is responding, but it is the Spirit of God in you that is responding. Okay. All right, all right. So now, this, message, this passage in Matthew points out some other things that relate to stewardship. And you notice that Jesus started out talking about those ten virgins. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Five of them were 
and five of them were? Why were they foolish? They were foolish because they didn't make preparation for what was to come. They all had the same ability. Okay? All of them were, were let's say, bridesmaids in, our, in today's language. And they were waiting for the bridegroom. They didn't know what time he was going to come so they could go into the wedding feast. All right? And the bridegroom tarot, they, they, they didn't have ever ready batteries. All right? They had lamps, and they had to put oil in the lamps. Okay, so the wise ones took extra oil. Their lamp was full, but they took extra oil. The foolish ones, just in case, they didn't know how long it was going to take. The foolish ones only took what was in the lamp. In their own mind, say in their own mind, they concocted. What, needed, what they thought needed to be done. Okay, I don't want to stay right there. All right, but, but notice now, Jesus begins to talk about this parable of the steward immediately after he talks about these young ladies who were, some were wise and some were foolish. And he said in verse number 13, he said, watch you therefore, because you do not know the day nor the hour that the Son of Man will come. Now he's, he's switched it from the wedding, and he's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is the Lord Jesus Christ coming? He's coming because we, his, his servants, his stewards, have to give an account for the stewardship that has been placed in our care. That's why he's coming. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. And I want us to notice a couple of things here. Um, and, and, and notice that um, he, gives them he gives them money to manage. A talent is money. Okay, just like we call our money a dollar. You know, Malawi's money is a quacha. Kenya's money is shilling, shillings. Dominican Republic money is pesos. Their money was a talent. So he's not talking about musical ability or artistic ability. He's talking about money here. To one he gave $5,000. To another he gave $2,000. And to another he gave $1,000. All right? Now, notice what he says here. He called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Okay? But he only called three of them. So now, immediately what happened here was now he elevated three of them from being a house servant or a slave to a manager. He changed their position. He changed their position. They had a menial role as being a, as being a, a, a servant. But he immediately changed their position and put them in a position of being a manager, a steward. Because a steward manages that which belongs to someone else. So there was a change. He honored them. He honored them by changing their position. God has honored us by changing our position. 
Now, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 2 and 30, part of that verse says, For them that honor me, I will honor. God has honored us by changing our position and making us managers. Okay? What kind of manager will we be? Look at this. Look at this, this, this passage. Uh, before I go on there, the other scripture that, that came to my mind when I thought about this change of position, in John 15, 15 to 16, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know, what his, does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, in my Father's name, whatever you ask in my name, my Father will give to you. Look at this. Our position has changed. When you became a Christian, your position changed. Now, whether you've been a faithful steward or whether you've been a bad steward up to this point, it's important to know that God honored you by changing your position. Think about it. Think about what you were before you were saved. Think about your, 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 your position before you were saved. But God honored you by saving you. Change your position. Now, as a steward of the Lord, we have been given a trusted position. We have been given a trusted position. All right? We have been elevated, I've said that, elevated from a house servant or a slave to the position of management. You are in a managerial role. An administrator. How many, we got some people that are administrators on that job. We got some managers. We got some supervisors in here. All of us got houses. We know what it is to manage. Okay. So God has favored you. God has favored me. Say it. So God has favored me. By giving me a trusted position. Second thing here is that it is the master's money that these men are handling. It's not their money. He gave them five talents, two talents, one. Each according to his ability. Okay. I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because I talked about that last week. Uh, you might say, well, I, this is my body. You might say, my money is my money because I work for this money. Oh, you did, huh? Who created the body that you live in? All right. Where did the resources come from for the person who owns that business to start that business? Where did it come from? So you worked, huh? Where did you get the strength? Where did you get the wisdom from? Where did you get the knowledge from? So you study. Where did you get your mind from to study? How did you understand? Oh, you were just born that Oh, you were born that way. So you birthed yourself. You put yourself in your mother's womb. So you were born that way, huh? So... Then God, everything goes back to God. 
Everything goes back to God. We act as if the soil and the minerals and the water and the precious stones and all that stuff belongs to us, but it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. This is the reason when you go back and you study the Old Testament and you study the concept of the year of Jubilee, this is why every seven years, they, the, the Lord said that they were not to plant anything. That was what people would call, you may not know this term, a buy year, all right? But anyway, that was a time that they were to sit back and they were to allow the land to rest. And they said, well, how shall we eat? God said, I'm going to bless you so that in the six years, you're going to make enough that's going to last three years. All right? So that, so that in the seventh year, you don't have to work. In the eighth year, when you plant, you got till the ninth year to start getting the harvest again. And then every 50th year, everything that everybody owes you debt, you release them from it. Every indentured servant, you release them from it. Because the land and everything in it belongs to the Lord. Now, we don't have the same system today. All right? But we do have the principles of wise stewardship. And we can take the promise of God to Israel as our promise in faithful and wise stewardship. I'll send such a blessing that the land will yield enough for three years. Bring you all the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse and prove me now, herewith saith the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. You got the promise of the scriptures. You got the promise. Y'all still in the house? You got the promise of God. If the first part is, is holy, then the whole lump is holy. But if you rob God with the first part, then you can't expect the rest of it to be blessed. How do people sit back and, 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 and rob God? How do you take the tithe which is the accursed thing, all right, which means that it has no value to you at all, none whatsoever, because it is dedicated to the Lord. You don't have to sit back and come up here for me to pray over you to dedicate your tithe to the Lord. The tithe is already dedicated to the Lord. It's already, by virtue of the fact that it is the tithe, it is already dedicated to the Lord. You do not take the tithe and use it for yourself. It has no value to you. It doesn't have any value to your family. It only has value to God. And when you take the accursed thing and you use it for yourself, then you bring the curse on you. What happened to Achan? He became the accursed thing. But God says, if you follow my principles, you're going to have more than enough. Pastor, I just don't have more than enough. You're not following God's principles. There's no way for you to tell me that you're following God's principles and you don't have enough. Now, you might be playing catch up right now. You might be playing catch up. Y'all mad at me? Well, you better smile. Sitting there looking at me like you mad at me. I didn't write this. <laughs> you mad at somebody, get mad at God. Amen. How many of you know God is faithful? Is he a God of his word? Will he do what he said he would do? 
That is a faith we stand on. But God says, you've got to work my principles. And when we don't work his principles, we can't expect him to step in and say, okay, that's all right. That's all right, baby. You just go ahead. I'm going to fix this for you. God says, when you bring the tithe, and we often deal with the tithe, but what about our time? I mentioned this last week. Some of us have time for everything else except God. I'm not just talking about coming to worship on Sunday morning. But when you think about 10% of your time, there's 168 hours in the week. 10% of that is 16.8 hours. And you're in worship on Sunday at the most, some of y'all two hours, some of y'all three hours, some of y'all four hours. That means that you got 12.8 hours left. If you tithe your time, you got 12.8 hours of tithing time left. What are you doing with it? Are you witnessing? Are you going to visit the sick? Are you praying for somebody? Are you studying the word of God? 12.8 hours left. I know I'm being technical, but I'm trying to show us that we do not use our time wisely. And even for the choir, they have to come to the choir rehearsal how many times? Twice a month. In the men's ministry, once a month. And what? Wise stewardship. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to open up your eyes. Because we will get so busy doing what we do. If it's cutting the grass, if it's on Facebook, if it's going shopping, if it's spending time with family, we will get so busy doing what we do. We'll say, I don't have time for that. Now, now call me super religious if you want to, but I value worship. God knows I do. I value worship. It is important for me to be in the house of worship. Now, I might go to church more than a whole lot of people go. I don't go as much as I used to go. But I value worship. I just can't stay at home. You know what? On a Sunday, I could call one of these elders and say, I want y'all to preach for me today because I'm just tired. And sometimes I am tired. You know? But I'm not going to miss worship. Even if I don't preach, I'm not going to miss worship. I'm going to press my way. Because if it's something else that I want to do, guess what I'm going to do? Press my way. I could be in the bed sick. If it's something I want to do, I'm going to get out of that bed, take some NyQuil or Theraflu or sinus medicine or something, wrap up if it's cold, and get out of that house and do what I want to do. We do what we want to do. But because we don't understand that God is looking at this. And, and really all of this deals with where your heart really is. But, but God is looking at this and God is saying, you've got to be a wise steward of what I've blessed you with in order for you to truly be blessed. 
Because the blessings come in your wise stewardship. There are people that have experienced increase in their finances because they've been faithful in their giving. Even when they didn't have it, they would scrape up something to give. Some people be sitting back thinking, I got to buy gas next week. I got to eat lunch next week. And yeah, you do. But my God shall do what? Do y'all really believe that? My God shall supply all my need. According to what? By Christ Jesus. Lastly, let's jump into accountability real quick, and I'm going to be done. Praise the Lord. Accountability is inevitable. It's inevitable. It is inevitable. The day of reckoning is going to come. There's a song we used to sing that says, Be ready when he comes again. You be ready when he comes again. You be ready when he comes again. He's coming again so soon. That used to make us think. Because we were thinking about dying and getting ready to go meet the Lord. All right. But the day of accountability is going to come. Verse 19 says here, look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, after a short time, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and did what? Settled their accounts or reckoned with them. After a long time, he took a journey. This is a parable, and Jesus taught in parables so people could understand, okay? I give you a test, Brother Bowell, and I said, you, you take this, I'm going to give you $10,000. You take this, and, I, and, and you use it. You can do whatever you want to do with it. It's in your hands, but it's my money. And then I just go on a trip. I don't call you and say, I'm coming back next week. I just go on a trip. And then I stay six weeks. Maybe I stay six months. But I'm coming back. He took a journey. He took a journey. And he told them. He said, trade with this until I come again. Oh, Lord have mercy. And so he came back. After a long time. And you know, sometimes my brothers and sisters my sons and my daughters, what we fail to realize is that the Lord is coming back. He is coming back. And when he comes back, it's not always for you to go home to meet him. But he's calling you into account. Accountability is the obligation of an individual or an organization to account for its activities, accept responsibility for them, and to disclose the results in a transparent manner. It, is also, it also includes the responsibility for money or other entrusted property. 
Accounting is the chronological record of changes in the value of an entity's assets, liabilities, and the owner's equity, each of which is represented by a separate page in the ledger. I read that, and I thought about what Job said. Job said, my record, my witness is in heaven, and my record is on high. So God is not just going to come back and just look at me now and say, okay, what have you been doing? But there's a, there's a recording. There's a record. So I can't say, oh, that one slipped under. I forgot about that. No, 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 no. Guess what? Most of the time we, don't, we forget about what we want to forget about. Your mind is so powerful that you remember things sometimes you want to forget. God has created you with a powerful mind. So you can't say to God, God, I forgot. No, you didn't forget. You did not forget. Stop lying. You were just disobedient. The better thing for you to say is, Lord, I was disobedient. So in the parable, money was placed in their hands. And it was placed in their hands according to their ability. So the man with the one talent couldn't manage with the $1,000, did not have the ability to manage the $5,000. God is not giving you, he is not giving you what you cannot handle. What God is giving you to manage, you can manage it. Because he gives according to our ability. This is the Bible. So you say, why am I not on a job making $200,000 a year? You can't manage it. You know what you need to do? Be faithful with that $50,000 you're making. So a lot of times we're not faithful at the $50,000 level. And we want God to elevate us to the, to the next level. You sitting back watching other people get elevated, and you sitting back crying before God. God said, uh-uh, don't cry. Manage at the level where you are. Well, I can do this and I can do that. If you can do it, then that means that you're not managing well your own time and abilities. Is something wrong somewhere? Let me go a little bit further in this because the Lord showed me something in this scripture. Okay. So we see what they did. The first thing, the first two put the money to work. They invested it. And they doubled what was placed in their hands. The third one was not industrious. Somebody said not industrious. In fact, he was narrow-minded. He was judgmental. He was short-sighted. He was pessimistic. He had low self-esteem. He was untrusted. And he was foolish. That's how you get all that out of there. He took this man's $1,000 and he went and dug a hole and put the money in the hole. He didn't even put the money in the bank to draw interest. Now what fool would go dig a hole and put money in a hole when at least you can go to the bank? If they're not paying but 2% interest, that's 2% interest, that's 2% more than what you had. 
And then the man said, now how foolish can you be? You're going to flop in the master's face. I knew you were a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown. I told you it was judgmental. Harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered. Accusing the man. A stealing. Ooh. He was, was narrow-minded. No, no, no broad-minded person would ever even think or even if you thought about it, you would not say that to anybody. You keep your mouth shut. Some people just had a sense that, uh, anyway, they just don't have it. <laughs> so I was afraid, and I went out and hid your money in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. Foolish. Foolish. What are we doing, saints? Come on. What are we doing with what God has put in our hands? Where is our mind? Are we like the, 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 the first two men? I mean, God is not expecting you to be like anybody else. He's given you according to your ability. What are you doing with it? Are you taking what God has given you and you're putting it in a hole? Or are you using it? Think about your time. Think about your resources. Think about your abilities. What are you doing? What are you doing? The first two were commended for their faithful stewardship. And you notice what I didn't see here when I read this thing? He said, I've gained five more. The first one said, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. He elevated him even more. Y'all listening? What did he say to this last man? He said, you wicked and lays a servant. So you knew that I harvest where I'm not sold. You knew that, huh? And, and gather where I'm not scattered. So, so you calling me a thief and a robber? You knew that. Okay, you know that. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. That's the least you could have done. You saying all of this about me and you didn't even think about yourself? You didn't even think about what you could have done. You sitting back worrying about me and thinking about how I am and you making all these judgmental things about me and you're not even considering yourself and considering the consequences of not managing well what I've put in your hands. Who's the foolish one? Who's the wicked one? So he said, take the talent from him. And give it to the one who has ten talents. Now notice that he didn't take the talents. He didn't take that $10,000 from the one he gave the $10,000 to. He didn't take the $4,000 from the one he gave the $2,000 to. But to the one that he gave the $1,000 to who did nothing with it. Who was not a good manager. Who was not a faithful steward. He said take it away from him. And give it to the one who has who has the five talents. 
For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. That's the principle, saints. That's all I'm trying to get us to see. That's the principle. Whatever, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And then he said, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why are they going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth? They're going to be suffering out there. They're going to be laboring out there. Sometimes we're trying to help people that's been thrown in the outer darkness. Y'all listening? Sometimes we're trying to help people that's been thrown in the outer darkness. They're not faithful in what God has given them, and then they come to us looking for help. God said that they would be wailing, weeping, and gnashing their teeth. Saints, God has given us a position of stewardship according to our ability. God does reign. I know this is not an exciting message, but you won't forget it. You might not like it, but you won't forget this one. Because you're going to be sitting back looking at yourself. A wise person would. A wise person would sit back and take an account of himself. I would rather judge myself than stand and deal with myself than to have God judge me. And God has given me that ability to look at my life. God has given me that ability to look at my life and judge what I am doing so that I can correct it. He's given me that ability so that I can get things right before he comes because he's coming again. But there was something else I saw here. I'm almost done. Uh, that I saw that, that, that this man didn't just suffer the consequences at the end. But think about this. All throughout the process, he never experienced the joy that will come or that comes in pleasing his master. He never experienced the joy that comes when you make a wise decision. How many of y'all make wise decisions and you look back and you really want to just pat yourself on the shoulder? There's something that there's a good feeling that comes when you do what's right. This man never experienced that. So all along the way, he was experiencing judgment. His own spirit was condemning him. How many of us we're condemned in ourselves for what we do? Well, you know what God is trying to do? God is trying to shake you up so that you stop doing what you're doing and begin to manage wisely what he's put in your hands. You are accountable. You are accountable. You are accountable to God. And another, another message that deals with accountability, when God puts you under someone else's authority, you're accountable to them. So you're accountable to me. You're accountable to me. So how can you just miss church and I don't know where you are? You're accountable to me. How? God put you in accountable relationships. I was not going to this conference, and I was going to call Bishop Long and tell him I wasn't coming, but then I got on the conference call, and I thought about it. I said, I really need to go. But 
looking at finances and whatever, I decided I was going to stay at home. But then when I listened to him talk the other day, I said, no, I need to make this sacrifice. We need to make this sacrifice because I need to be in place. Because I'm accountable to him. Most of the time, and I miss this sometimes, most of the time when I'm getting ready to take a mission trip, go on a mission trip, I'll send Elder Harris an email to let him know where I am. Because I'm accountable. And guess what? I want them covering me in prayer. They can't pray for me if they don't know where I am. They think I'm here preaching the tabernacle of praise, and I'm out in the jungle. And they, the prayer is different. They need to be praying about lions and elephants and, and, and Ebola. I'm here, they might be praying about flu and colds. It's different. Are you understanding me? Now, granted, I probably, I, I'm probably getting a whole lot of phone calls every week, but uh, it's just nice to get an email or something saying, Bishop, I won't be in church this Sunday because blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't have to give anybody no reason. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. Accountability. Accountability. Because you will give an account of your stewardship. If you don't give an account to me, you're going to give an account to God. When you are a faithful steward, It'll keep you in position. When you are a faithful steward, it will enlarge your social, financial, spiritual, and mental capacity just by being a faithful steward. Things Because <laughs> God's going to bring you in contact with other folk that are faithful stewards. And he's going to increase your finances. It's going to increase your spiritual capacity because you got to study this thing. You got to look at this thing. You got to pray. You got to keep examining your life to make sure that your life is in line. So it, it increases you spiritually, and God knows it increases your mental capacity. Because sometimes the stuff we read and listen to is burning up our minds. Sometimes our conversations that we're having, it has destroyed our mental capacity. But when you begin to deal with spiritual things, it enlarges your mental capacity. You just investigate this for yourself. And then it's going to bless the kingdom of the master. Because when you're faithful, when you are a wise steward, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in the kingdom. God is glorified and this kingdom is advanced. Let's stand.